Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Murphy's League. Very special episode because this is my first episode being recorded on the campus of UCSB. I'm actually in a private study room right now that technically anyone could walk in at any moment. So if I just cut off abruptly, that's probably what's going on there. But without further ado, let's get into this episode. Obviously, week two is behind us. We're now going on to week three. This is a preview episode for week three. So I'm going to be talking about a few teams that might want to hit the panic button, especially after this weekend if they can't bounce back and get a W. I'm also going to be talking about just a couple games in general, just some game scripts, um, what I think to look out for in a couple of these games, and just why they're so interesting in my opinion, because this is a really funky week in terms of betting i don't really have a lot of best bets for you guys i have three bets but i'm not really entirely confident in them i don't really love calling this section best bets i'm probably going to end up looking at some of the player props and then make some bets on that because anytime i can't really make um good educated guesses i guess for the games and i just go to players so if i do end up doing that i'll post it on my instagram so be sure to follow that at murphy's league but without further ado let's get into this episode guys Alright guys, so let's start it off with some teams that should be panicking or maybe, you know, it's not quite time to hit the panic button, but if they lose this weekend, they could be in some really deep trouble. I think there's going to be a few teams that really stand out above the rest, so I'm not going to go into too much detail about it because again, it is very early in the season, there's still a lot to see. Um, but there's, you know, a lot of data and evidence that suggests that if you start off 0-2 or 0-3 particularly, you're going to have a really hard time making the playoffs from there. So I think the first team that really has to be hitting the panic button, and I don't think it's entirely their fault. I think there's a few factors, you know, playing against them, one of which being health. But it's the Indianapolis Colts. They are starting the season 0-2, obviously. Uh, last game in particular, it looked really, really ugly against the Jacksonville Jaguars. I think that Michael Pittman injury is extremely crucial to this whole team. But even then, I mentioned this before. Um, even before the season started, I was worried about their over-dependence on him. I wanted to see a lot more from their weapons. And we just really excuse me, haven't seen enough. Especially in game one against the Colts, there were a lot of drops and just miscommunication errors. A lot of rookies just, you know, looking like rookies. Um, Alec Pierce stands out in that regard. But I mean, week two, it was just all bad. Nothing went right. Obviously, to get shut out by Jacksonville is just really, really embarrassing to say the least. Obviously, they haven't won there in eight years, so there's something deeper going on there. But I mean, they really make <laughs> they really made Jacksonville look like a damn good team. Devin Lloyd had an excellent game who, if you listen to me during my pre-draft process, I loved Devin Lloyd. He looked like everything he was coming out of college for and then some in this game. Uh, but regardless, we're not talking about week two anymore. We are talking about the Indianapolis Colts. They're playing Kansas City at home this week. And if you haven't been watching or paying attention, Kansas City has been absolutely lighting it up. Patrick Mahomes hasn't thrown a pick yet, if I'm not mistaken. He could have had a few picks by now. He had a, definitely had a few dropped interceptions. Um, but I mean, as a whole, this team is playing really, really well. They're putting up really efficient points. Chris Jones is playing out of his goddamn mind. They still have a ton of young pieces that can contribute, um, like Carl Loftus, like Nick Bolton. They had a couple of really young guys make some plays in their last game. Obviously, I think it was 
I can't remember which Watson was which, but one of the Watsons took a Pixis to the house. Um, incredible story there. If you follow me on Instagram on my main account, you already saw me post about this, but he was flipping burgers uh, just a few years ago, trying to get a spot on like a practice squad, basically. Ends up taking a 100-yard pick six at home against Justin Herbert. And then the other Watson... Um, crossed up a premier corner and JC Jackson caught a ball over his head. So Kansas City, obviously very well-run organization, very deep. Um, th these are the type of things that really separates them. When you have undrafted rookies, when you have young guys making plays like this, that, you know, that's going to take you over the top on top of having all this superstar talent, which of course we know they have. So the Colts, I mean, by no means do I expect them to win this game, and that's really why they should be panicking because after this, it's very, it's a very real possibility that they're going to be starting the season 0-3, and very few 0-3 teams make the playoffs. Luckily for them, Tennessee's in a pretty similar boat where they're in an absolute must-win situation as well, and I guess this is a perfect transition to the next two teams I guess I want to talk about. The loser of the Raiders-Titans game. I mean, particularly if it's the Raiders because the Raiders are in a much tougher division in my opinion. But I mean, the loser of this game has to be panicking. Obviously, the Tennessee Titans haven't won a game yet. Uh, neither have the Los, or I almost called them Los Angeles Raiders. I don't even know why. Neither have the Las Vegas Raiders. So one of these teams is gonna start 0-3. I think it means a little more to the Raiders, like I said, because the Chiefs and the Chargers are there. And obviously the Broncos are a little disappointing right now, which is helping them out. The Tennessee Titans maybe don't have as much to worry about because the Colts just look frankly awful right now and they are they're very disappointing but I mean either way you don't want to start your season 0-3 it's not the way to like set up yourself up nicely going into the rest of the year because obviously you want to start the year hot you want to get as many W's as you can so then later in the year once mistakes happen you kind of trip up you have these health problems and maybe you slip up on a few games it's not as big of a deal um, you don't want to be making up for ground as the season goes on you want to have the comfortability to lose ground and not have to worry about you know um, either rivals in your division catching up to you or just in the conference as a whole you know stealing your seating and stuff like that sorry about that um so obviously i think the loser of this game it is in tennessee um that, i mean i don't think that makes too much of a difference and i still expect the raiders to win this game but i mean just as a matchup i do think there's a lot of ways that tennessee matches up really well with the Raiders, or against the Raiders, I should say, I think their D-line could have a lot of success in this game. I don't like the way their secondary matches up with the Raiders' weapons, because obviously that's one of the Raiders' biggest strengths right now. That seems to be one of Tennessee's weaknesses. Their secondary is really not playing well. Caleb Farley, really not showing a lot so far. I still have a lot of faith in him. Christian Fulton got cooked many times by Stephon Diggs last game. Um, I still have... I'm forgetting his name right now. Why am I forgetting? They still have that safety. They still have Kevin Byard there, who is, was a premier safety not long ago in this league. I still think he has that skill set. But I mean, just as a whole, that's a mismatch there. So this game could go a lot of different ways, in my opinion. Again, this week is really weird for betting. So this is a game I would likely stay away from. I'm not sure exactly what's going to happen in here. But this is, I mean, must win feels like a little bit of an exaggeration. But to you do definitely, again, you don't want to start the season 0-3. So it feels like a must-win game for both of these teams. And I think whoever loses this game should absolutely be hitting the panic button. Up next, we have, again, pretty obvious one. But I feel like this just 
is correlated with their expectations going into the year. It's the Denver Broncos. So they're playing the Niners at home this week. The Niners obviously have a new quarterback starting for, I guess not new, but a familiar face who's back in the lineup in Jimmy Garoppolo after Trey Lance went down with a season-ending injury. Already talked about that in my recap episode. Obviously, you hate to see that, but objectively, they are a better team with Jimmy Garoppolo. And the way that the Broncos are playing, at least the last two weeks, there's no way in hell you're going to beat a team like the 49ers with George Kittle hopefully coming back in this game. It sounds like he's on pace to come back, um, if I'm not mistaken. I can check his status right now, actually. I'll double check it. Um, it sounds like... Yeah, it sounds like he's starting the week active, so as long as there's no further setbacks at practices, because he is limited still, but as long as there's no further setbacks, he should be on pace at minimum on a snap count and still be playing this weekend. So that's going to be a huge advantage for them because he's obviously one of the most impactful positions, or excuse me, impactful people on this entire team, regardless of position. Um, one of the best tight ends in the league, obviously don't really need to emphasize that. But the Broncos, it's been really, really damn sloppy. I mean... I've already mentioned it. I think a lot of it has to fall on Nathaniel Hackett. Russ has to take some blame for himself too because he's just not doing the things he normally does, not keeping plays alive as well as he is. He seems overly Court and Sutton dependent. He doesn't seem to have a chemistry with these other receivers. And now Jerry Judy's fighting an injury in his shoulder. Their secondary is a little beat up between Justin Simmons, um, obviously going down before the season even started. Patrick Sertan, sounds like, or Sertain, however you say his name, sounds like he's dealing with his own sh shoulder problems. So there's not a lot going right for the Broncos. They're leading the league in penalties. Um, obviously, week one was absolutely horrendous. Week two wasn't much better. At least they scratched off the W, so that's really helpful for them. Um, but I mean, they were getting booed a lot, and it was... Honestly, not for um, it wasn't for nothing. I'll just put it that way. They were doing a lot wrong, and I think this is again. It's it's very important they win this game if they want to keep up with the Chargers and the Chiefs because the Chargers and the Chiefs can, you know, they can keep up and they can compete with teams like the Niners. They can easily give the Niners a run for their money. The Broncos need to be able to prove that they can do the same. I don't expect them to win this game. I don't expect them to clean it up instantly. Um, but again. Not really a game I love putting money on. I need to double check the odds right now because I can't remember. Right now, San Francisco is favored by a point and a half. I'd say that's pretty fair. I think it actually opened at a pick'em, which is pretty ridiculous to me. If anything, I, if it was a pick'em, I would definitely put my money on San Francisco. 50-50 odds, give me San Francisco all the way. Right now, it's only at minus 125. Again, I wouldn't really call it a best bet, but I definitely like San Francisco there a lot more. I just haven't seen enough from the Broncos. It is in mile high, which I guess is a little bit of an advantage to the Broncos, but I don't think it makes too much of a difference in this game. Um, again, just until I see something from the Broncos, I really can't trust them, and they need to show something this week because the first two weeks, like I said, have been ugly. Up next, another team that might be hitting the panic button. Um, this one less so because there's less expectations on this team. I don't think many people were expecting this team to win the division or even make the playoffs, but still... It's the Carolina Panthers, obviously trading for a new franchise quarterback, they hope, in Baker Mayfield. Um, he hasn't really been the problem so much here as I feel like there's just a lot of other breakdowns going on here. There's been a few errors um, as far as just coaching. If you know me, you know I'm not the biggest Matt Rule fan. Um, I think their defense has been good at times, but just broken down at the wrong moments. Um, and just really really tough losses for this team i mean they've kept it competitive in both their games and again i don't think baker was the biggest issue not that he was flawless by any means and he could have definitely done some things better um but i mean 
if they want to stay competitive, if they want to make a playoff push, which again, I wasn't expecting before the season started, um, they're playing the Saints this week at home. It's a perfect opportunity for them to keep themselves in the NFC South race. Obviously, the Saints just took an L to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They're now one and one on the season. So it, it, it's just, this is a rivalry game. It's at home. Um, show Give the fans something to root for because obviously Baker Mayfield kept it very close last week but couldn't get it done. Um, shout out to the Giants, they're 2-0, and incredible stuff. Uh, don't expect that to keep it up, but good for them. And yeah, this is a very big game for the Panthers playing at home against a division rival. Let's see what they can put up. Now let's talk about a couple games I just want to talk about really quick before I get to my best bets. Again, you'll probably notice this is probably going to be a shorter episode than usual, and that's mostly just because I've, uh, hold on, someone's coming in really quick. Nope, they're going next door. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm just kind of getting used to this whole recording in a study room and trying to get away from my roommates and all that type of stuff. So just an adjustment period. Obviously I had an 8 a.m. class today. Um, so if I'm a little groggy, a little out of it, that's probably why. Um, just trying to get this whole schedule figured out and how this is gonna work with recording. So bear with me for a couple weeks here as I get adjusted. Anyways, I want to talk about a few games before we get into my best bets, and I think first and foremost, we have to talk about Bills versus Dolphins. We all know what happened last week. I talked about it in my recap episode. The Dolphins absolutely lit it up. Um, every Dolphins fan wet dream to a tongue of Aloha looking like the Messiah himself. Just incredible stuff um, to be down 28 points in the fourth quarter and end up winning that, or 21 points, excuse me, um, covering 28 points is what I meant to say in a quarter. It's just absolutely incredible stuff. And we all know the Bills look like the best team in the league right now. I said they were the best team in the league before the season started, even though I switched it like two days before the first game because I overthought it. And whatever, you can believe me or not. If you don't, I don't care. I'm going to live with it. <laughs> I know what I did. Anyways, the Buffalo Bills, we all know who the Buffalo Bills are. We all know their defense is looking elite. Secondary still a little beat up. Dane Jackson had an injury. Uh, Tredavious White hasn't been there. Obviously, you expect to get those guys back. But I mean, other than that, their, their roster is just absolutely loaded in every position. That's not a question mark at all. Uh, and Josh Allen is the front runner for the MVP. Um, I would guess. I'm, I haven't checked the odds or anything, but if I had to guess, I'm willing to bet he's the front runner for the MVP. Um, Tua Tagovailoa really increasing the stock from last week. Obviously, week one wasn't all sunshines and rainbows, and the Patriots definitely could have picked him off a couple times. But to bounce back in that way and honestly have the best game of his career, really put the league on notice, really put the Bills on notice. I mean, whoever wins this game takes a division lead. So, excuse me, they're going to end up still being 3-0. and um, I'm still loving the Bills in this one. It's a shit ton of points. That's why I'm really not taking it in my best bets. I don't think that Tua is going to be able to replicate that week in and week out. But I mean, just the impact it would have on the league as a whole, but with Dolphins fans, with Tua non-believers, Tua believers, just the impact it would have for them to win this game is honestly inexplicable. It's it's immeasurable how important it would be for the Dolphins to win this game. I don't think it's going to happen. I still think the Buffalo Bills are just on a mission to prove to everyone that they're the best team in the league and i think they are the best team in the league josh allen's on a mission to win the mvp etc etc um but it's six and a half points right now is the line it might it might have moved down to six um i can i'm checking right now if i can find it where is it where bills dolphins where are you where are you where are you dead i must have passed it 
Sorry, guys. Um, yo, what the fuck? Where's this game? Am I stupid? Yes, but... Okay, so it's at six. Bills are favored by six points, over under 52 points. Um, the over is definitely interesting in that one, but I could also see this kind of being more defensive than people think. Um, but I just think the Bills' offense is so unstoppable. I, I Obviously, Tua has limits. His receivers are ridiculous just in terms of their speed and the way they can just absolutely – they have the ability to just flip a script in one play. That's incredible. I shouldn't have snapped like that. That was probably super loud for you guys. But just the ability to just – one play to the house anytime. That's a very scary thing. It's a very real thing that can switch momentum and get you points really quickly. But I think this Bills defense is just very disciplined. I'm hoping that they're going to be able to keep Tyreek in front of them and Jalen Waddle in front of them better than the Ravens did at the end of the game because that was just an absolute defensive disaster. Yeah, like like I said in my week two recap, you got to give some credit to Tua and those weapons and just their absolute speed. But I mean. You can't you can't allow that to happen four times right in one quarter. That's just that's just there at some point there's a defensive breakdown. Defensive scheme wasn't working right. Uh, DC was calling bad plays. There was just there's many more factors than just Tua being an absolute freak because frankly he's not. He's he's got a ceiling. Um, he's got a stronger arm than people say, including myself. I didn't really realize that until pretty recently. Um, I, again, I mentioned if you flip. If you flip the, his stance, like someone put the the video of him throwing that bomb to Tyreek, they like they flip the video so it looks like he's right-handed and it looks better. It's it's a really bizarre thing. But anyways, back to this game really quickly. I think Josh Allen is just Josh Allen. This offense right now just feel, especially if Gabe Davis is back in this game. Obviously, Stephon Diggs did it all by himself last week with three touchdowns, twelve catches, a hundred plus yards. But I mean. With Gabe Davis back, this offense just feels so unstoppable. It truly feels like the only thing that this offense can do wrong is either their running backs fumbling or just forcing some kind of turnover, just fumbles in general. It really doesn't feel like Josh Allen's throwing any bad balls. He feels so on point. They just feel unreal. They, like it's Their offense is just so incredibly potent and so incredibly efficient at the same time. They, I mean, again, they have that element where – they can absolutely flip the field in one play and get huge chunk plays, or they can dink and dunk you to death. So, extremely versatile. Again, really like the Bills in this one. Um, I'm so all in on the Bills. But again, it's definitely something to look out for because the Dolphins are making a ton of noise right now. Up next, I need to talk about the Minnesota Vikings playing against the Detroit Lions. The Detroit Lions are getting some noise right now. They're putting up a ton of offensive stats in their last two games Amara St. Brown is looking like an seriously like an elite wide receiver in this league really impressed with what I'm seeing from here I was really high on him coming out of USC but honestly I just thought I was a little biased because I was watching him play against Oregon and he was tearing him up and I didn't really know about like Pac-12 receivers and all that and they never seemed to work out obviously Drake London is a stud but that was a little different I felt a lot more confident in that one Amara was someone that it felt like he just slipped under everyone's radar. Obviously, he was taken really late in that draft. A lot of receivers taken over him. Um, but I think the real focus in this game is just can Kirk Cousins bounce back? And again, with the Detroit Lions, they've been putting up a lot of points, but they've also been allowing a lot of points. So that interests me in the over-under of this game, which is at 52.5. Again, I'm not saying it's a best bet or anything, but it's 
Definitely interesting. Definitely something to keep track of. How many points will be scored in this game? Can Justin Jefferson bounce? I'm really focused on Kirk Cousins because Justin Jefferson, yeah, he didn't have a great game last week against the Eagles, but a lot of that has to be shifted towards Kirk Cousins and just him not playing well at all. He's back out of prime time this game, playing against a division rival. Can he make a statement game? Or can the Lions make a statement game and really show the rest of the NFC North and the NFC as a whole that they are here to stay, they are here to compete? Can they beat the, the Minnesota Vikings? I think it's a very real, very real possibility. Excuse me. I wouldn't count it out. But either way, I could definitely see a lot of points being um, excuse me, being made in this game. I'm not going to put it on my best bets, mostly because I'm kind of scarred of putting the Minnesota Vikings over after last week. That absolutely bit me in the ass. I thought that Vikings-Eagles game, the over in that game, I thought it was an absolute lock. If you bet that with me, I'm sorry, guys. That definitely did not hit, but I don't expect the, the Minnesota offense to look this putrid again. I really think Kirk Cousins can bounce back. And in fantasy, there's going to be a lot of points in this game, so make sure you start everyone you can in this game. I'm talking, obviously you're starting Amara, obviously you're starting Hawkinson, you're starting DeAndre Swift, but I mean, Kirk Cousins in Superflex leagues is going to have an efficient week. Maybe even like as your QB1, if you're not in a Superflex, he can still put up a lot of points. Jared Goff in Superflex might seriously be an option in this game. Um, Dalvin Cook, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen. I, also th- I, all, I think all those guys, my God, I can't speak, can be starts in this game. Up next, I want to talk quickly about the Cincinnati Bengals before I get to my best bets. They're playing the New York Jets, and obviously the Cincinnati Bengals made the Super Bowl last year, and they haven't won a game this year. I was totally expecting them to beat the Dallas Cowboys last week. Um, I already talked about this in my preview episode. I've said this like four times this episode, but I mean, they fucked me over. I had them in my money line just to boost the odds in two of my parlays. Um, by the way, don't do that. Don't Don't put the same leg in two different parlays because that's just stupid don't put all your eggs in one basket that's bad betting i thought it was an absolute lock i broke my own rule i was like fuck it you shouldn't do this but this is definitely gonna hit that's why you don't do it because there's no such thing as definitely when it's betting always remember that anyways cincinnati in theory should bounce back against the jets this week i mean You'd hope, right? Like, it's it's been two weeks. Hopefully, they're adjusted. T. Higgins is coming out, like, fully healthy from that concussion. Um, the Jets really aren't that scary of a roster. Yeah, they beat the Browns last week in an absolute, another just absolute disaster of a defensive game by the Browns, um, similar to what we saw with the Ravens. They just absolute breakdown. Should never have happened. Don't expect anything like that to happen again. A lot of people are talking about Nick Chubb shouldn't have gone in for the touchdown and blah, blah, blah. But, I mean... Yeah, maybe he should have taken a knee. Maybe it was inside two minutes. He should have realized, like, we can just run the clock out and it's going to be a W. But, I mean, when you're going up two scores with less than two minutes left, I really don't think you're fucking thinking about that. I think you're just thinking, we're up by two scores with less than two minutes left. No one wins these types of games because no one does win those types of games. That's just so rare that it happens to end up like that. Anyways, back to Cincinnati against the the Jets. Um, It's not like the Jets have this crazy intimidating pass rush, and that's really been Cincinnati's Achilles heel these last two weeks. They've been allowing so much pressure against Joe Burrow. Micah Parsons and TJ Watt literally took over the games last two weeks against him. So I don't expect that to happen this week because, again, the Jets just don't have a guy like that. Um, again, not that there's a lot of guys in this league, if any, like Micah and like TJ Watt. Those dudes are basically one of one. But you can expect Cincinnati to have a bounce back game here. Again, not putting it in my best bets because it's all the way to a touchdown spread. And I just really don't like betting on that many points. But 
I would expect Cincinnati to have a bounce back game. The Jets don't do anything particularly well other than Joe Flacco was kind of dishing that thing. <laughs> so maybe it's a potential for the over-under, which I can check out right now, actually. I forget what it is off the top of my head, but I probably would have made a note if I thought that was something worth buying. Um, it's at 45 right now. That's, yeah, again, just not really something I love there. Not really a game I want to bet on, but... If you're a Cincinnati Bengals fan, this is exactly what you want to see on your schedule as a bounce-back game, as a get-right game, and I do expect them to get right in this game. So, before I finish this episode, let's get to my three best bets of the week. Yeah, that's right. I only have three. I'm sorry. This was a really tough week to make bets. I'm not going to lie. I already mentioned this earlier, but player props will probably be up on my Instagram um, if I do place any. If not, then they probably won't be up there, but I'll keep you guys updated. Um, let you know what I'm riding this weekend. I'll definitely have it up before Sunday, probably like Saturday night or something like that. So keep stay tuned. If you don't follow it, it's at Murphy's League, just like my just like my handle here. So be sure to follow that on Instagram. Anyways, my best bets uh, up first. I think this is the one I feel most confident about. But again, that's not really saying a lot because this week is fucking tough. I really like the under of the Packers versus the Bucks. It's at 41 and a half right now. Um, obviously, just want to talk about this game as a whole. Great storyline. Rodgers versus Brady. Always good stuff. Um, but right now, these teams just seem to be really led by their defense. Their offenses don't seem to be fully clicking. The Packers really brought it together in a lot more ways against the Bears last week. But that's not really the best of competition. This Bucks defense is really seriously like super bowl caliber defense obviously Jameis made him look a lot better because Jameis looked like buccaneers Jameis to end that game last week excuse me but as a whole i think both of these defenses can have a lot of success in this game the buccaneers a lot of their weapons are beat up right now and now mike evans is suspended for a week so chris godwin mike evans definitely not playing this game julio jones status is still kind of up in the air but i expect him to play sounds like they're getting cole beasley which i don't i don't know how much of a difference that's going to make scotty miller still there but again not these elite weapons julio jones obviously not what he used to be at all um even though him and brady did have flashes in the first game it's not like they were absolutely lighting the scoreboard up right they only dropped 19 points that game at the end of the day it's really this is a defensive led team right now i'm not saying they can't be a more well-rounded team as the season goes on but their defense really feels like it's leading the way um the really really creative blitzing scheme um led by todd bulls there devin white's been getting a lot of pressure and just as a whole i mean they've got everything they've got an amazing linebacker core amazing young secondary really really good deep defensive line i mean that's got players all over the place young and old i mean try on shayinka um akeem hicks you can keep going um shaquille barrett obviously as we all know there's there's a lot of dudes there just a lot of really really dudes vita vea obviously and then flip it on the other side of the ball the packers Pretty similar. Packers, right, don't have a lot of weapons, but a really, really stacked defense. I feel like on paper, this can be a really stout defensive battle. They're running games leading the way most of the game on both sides of the ball. I think playoff Lenny can have a really good game in this one. I think Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon can have pretty good games in this one. I really think this is more of an Aaron Jones type game. I don't think this is as much of a between the tackles game. I think it's more of that those speed sweeps and pitch catches and screen balls to Aaron Jones, which AJ Dillon can definitely still do that type of stuff. He definitely does still catch some balls out of the backfield. And I think in PPR, half PPR, um, 10, 12 man leagues, you still are probably going to end up starting them at the flex and feel pretty comfortable about it. But I think Aaron Jones, uh, it can seriously still have RB1 upside in this game, even with this Bucks defense being extremely potent against the run. Um, I'm just not as high on A.J. Dillon this game because he's more of the power in between the tackles runner. 
but he does both. And Aaron Jones is more of that scat back speed option guy. Up next, we have Kansas City plus six at Indianapolis. Again, Indianapolis just looks really, really rough right now. They've got some injuries. Uh, I don't know if Michael Pittman and Darius Leonard are going to be back in this game. That's obviously going to help them a lot. But even then, Kansas City, like I mentioned earlier, just looks like a well-oiled machine right now. Obviously, Mahomes made some mistakes in his last two games, but I mean, they still won the game. Just overall team effort. Their defense is making plays. Chris Jones is all over the place. Um, just as a whole, just a really, really damn good team. And Indy is on a completely different page right now. The Indy is just looking like they're trying to find their way. They look really out of sorts. And even if those guys are back in Michael Pittman and Darius Leonard, that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be 100%. That doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be getting all the snaps. They're likely going to be on a snap count. They're going to want those dudes healthy. And it is in Indianapolis, which I guess helps Indy a little bit, but I really don't see it mattering. It's an indoor facility that's going to become a track race, and Kansas City is really damn good at that. They've got a lot of spurners, even without Tyreek Hill there. Uh, Mahomes can absolutely light it up. So again, I don't like betting on these huge spreads, but I just until I've seen anything from Indy, I'm just going to keep riding with Kansas City here, plus six points. Up next, again, pretty tough one, but I think the biggest difference here is just First off, talent and coaching. If you know me, I've been saying this for months now. I don't believe in Cliff Kingsbury at all. And that's why I'm taking the Rams plus three and a half against the Cardinals this weekend. Um, I don't think the Cardinals are all that good. I think it was really fluky. They won that game against the Raiders. Um, I mentioned that in my week two pre, uh, review that that was just basically in, like just a fluke type thing. Like nothing like that's ever gonna happen again like that. Um, really weird stuff there and as a whole i mean kyler murray didn't really play a very good game at all until the second half until the third quarter in particularly um and i just think there's a lot more to look forward to with the rams here they're really not in their full stride yet i still think they have a lot of places to improve and this cardinal secondary got absolutely torn to shreds by patrick mahomes and the kansas city chiefs and i think the the Los Angeles Rams can just do similar things. In addition to that, Sean McVay is just a coach I trust loads more than Cliff Kingsbury. Cliff Kingsbury always seems to have breakdowns um, at the end of the year, that type of thing. And we all saw what happened the last time this, these teams played in the playoffs. Obviously, the Cardinals went to the Rams in their building to, to start the playoffs off for the Rams, and they absolutely pummeled them. I'm not saying it's going to be that bad again, but... Aaron Donald didn't have a sack last week, which might just help motivate him even more. The Cardinals just don't have a lot to scare you offensively right now, especially with James Conner sounding like he's going to be out. And DeAndre Hopkins is obviously still suspended. Marquise Brown had a really crazy flash play last week, but he really didn't do that much as a whole. Zach Ertz really seems to be the go-to go guy here. But Ernest Jones, the linebacker, will likely be matched against him. He's having a really good year so far. Um... I just think the Rams are the more talented, well-coached team. There's not really a whole lot else to say. In addition to the, the Cardinals' secondary just not showing that much, I think Allen Robinson, Cooper Cup, Tyler Higby, all those guys can have really good games. And if Matthew Stafford can stop throwing so many goddamn picks, I think three and a half points is definitely a very comfortable, um, comfortable point spread to take for the Rams, I guess is what I'm trying to say. So that's all I got for this week's episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it. If you did, be sure to follow this podcast. Be sure to share it with your friends. And follow my Instagram, at Murphy's League. But without further ado, that's going to be it for me. Hope you guys enjoyed it. And peace out. Have a good one, y'all.